Witness history this year at the French Open, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch it. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. It's three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off. We'll see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if fresh faces rise to the challenge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it all goes down. Hello, 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 and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. We have some things to get through today. I kind of, as we go along through these podcasts, I've been thinking a lot lately, and I kind of just am hoping this gives, you know, a lot of people their fix of tennis for the week, because I follow tennis pretty religiously, and I, I have a lot of apps and a lot of things that I follow on it. And I know not everyone can do that. So I'm just kind of hoping to give you guys a lot of information and really give you my two cents on how people are playing and how they're doing certain things and really and really what's going on. And so I, I'm, I'm hoping that that's what you get out of this podcast. I'm hoping that uh, I, I see that people continue to listen and I appreciate that. And I hope that you're getting out of this what you what you want to get out of this. If not, if you want to hear me talk about other things um, or go more in depth on certain topics, I'm open to it. So reach out to me. I, I've put my social media out there pretty publicly, at uh, Jacob Sersosimo, both on Instagram and Twitter. I'm open to it. So if you got any ideas, chop them my way, and we'll consider putting them right on right on this episode, or not on this episode, but right on this podcast, one of the episodes moving forward. But I'm still loving the journey. I'm still loving doing this, and we have a lot of good stuff to talk about, so I'm excited about this one. Let's start in Barcelona. Barcelona is a 500 event, and there were some good names in this one. You look at Stefano Tsitsipas coming there right after winning in Monte Carlo. He was the one seed, and then the two seed was Casper Ruud, who's been playing really well on hard court. Now he's trying to translate that over to clay, and a, a lot of good names in this. Um, what you'd expect for a 500 during this clay court swing. But the top part of the bracket was was really, really good. The top part of the bracket had guys like Hugo Humbert, who's kind of had a quiet year, to be honest. Alex de Manure was there. Lloyd Harris was there. Cam Norrie, who's had a really good hardcourt season. Uh, he was the four seed. Alcaraz was in the top part of the bracket. And he was on the same side as Stefano Tsitsipas, who was also on the same side as uh, Grigor Dimitrov. So a lot of stuff going on and a lot of really good players in this tournament, which makes it a fun tournament to watch and it makes it a fun tournament, I'm sure to be at. Stefano Tsitsipas, the one seed obviously coming off a massive win. He ends up losing to Carlos Alcaraz. And Alcaraz coming off a win two tournaments ago in Miami. So it was good to see him make it to the semis and then eventually the finals after he beat Damon Neuer. Let me get to that match real quick. Alcaraz played Damon Neuer and he beat him in three sets. Alcaraz loses the first set and then he's down a break, I believe. He's down six or five, four and somehow wins that match. There was like a meme on Twitter about it, like showing screenshots from the match where he was down, and he was like down a break, down a set and a break, and he somehow came back to win this one in three sets. He was down and out. He had to save like two match points. He saved a match point like running to his left, and he reached back and hit a forehand slice down the line for a passing shot. 
I mean, this guy did unbelievable things in this match. It was insane to watch. I saw most of the highlights, and it was just, I couldn't believe that he won the match. Obviously, I knew when I was watching the highlights that he won, but some of the things that he was doing to save match points or save big points or somehow just claw his way back into this, Carlos Alcaraz, incredible feature by him to beat Alex de Manure in the semifinals. On the bottom side of the bracket, Pablo Carina Busta had a great tournament. He beats Diego Schwartzman in the semis, in the quarters, he uh, Diego Schwartzman actually played FAA and FAA made it or FAA lost there. I'm really kind of waiting for FAA to really, you know, hit hit something big here. I'm really hoping for him to do something big. I'm really waiting for him to just I don't want to say strike gold, but pretty much strike gold and make it really really far in one of these other tournaments. I know he had a good Australian Open, but I want I want I want him to do a little bit more and we're kind of waiting for that. But Pablo Carina Busa, he beats uh Casper Ruud, which is obviously a massive win on clay because Ruud's so good on clay. You never know how Ruud's coming back from his wisdom teeth. Now, I know everyone's like, that's the mouth. What's that have to do with athletics? But any operation you have you have done is going to make you feel some type of way. And so hoping Casper Ruud has a really good clay court swing because he's fun to watch. But Karina Busta, it's good to see him back making headlines and back making it into you know the big matches in these tournaments because he is fun to watch and he knows what he's doing. And uh, I, I kind of hope that he can start. He's another one of these guys on clay that I really hope can start like getting it moving. And I, I think he can. It's just a matter of will he. But this is a good start for him. He plays Carlo, Carlos Alcaraz in the final, and Alcaraz wins the final 6-3, 6-2. That is his second win so far in the last like month. He wins Miami. He wins this. Let's look at his titles that he's won. He has won... Three titles in 2022. He won Rio, he won Miami, and now he won Barcelona. And then he won one he won one title in 2021, and that was UMAG. So that was a clay court tournament as well. He's won three clay, one hard, and this is the time where I think he's going to blow up. He already is blowing up. He already is must-watch TV. He already is must-watch at these tournaments. But I think right now is so critical for Carlos Alcaraz to really take advantage of exactly what he's doing and winning these tournaments because he can really cash in on this later. And I think he plays so hard. He plays like a, a Rafa where he just plays with so much power and it's like a heavyweight match when anybody plays him that I think he can really do, you know, the sky's the limit. He can really do whatever he wants. And so I'm really interested to see as we go through this clay how he fares at the French Open, which will be a really, really good tournament. I'm hoping Rafa's back for it. And I know we all know that Djokovic will be there. So... A lot of heavyweights going to be there in Paris, and I'm excited to watch him play. Last thing about the young Spaniard, with that win in Barcelona, he sneaks into the top 10. He's number nine in the world now, jumps up two spots. He's now ahead of Felix Ogiel-Yassim and Cam Nori and Yannick Sinner. So he's at number nine in the world. If he keeps winning the way he's winning, Rublev and Rude and Bertini are right in front of him. So he, he could really make a jump, but he's got he's got to start winning some, some big tournaments too to really surpass those guys because those guys will keep moving up but if he keeps playing like this he could be top six top five in the world at the end of this year if he keeps up this power but he's close to like the Rublev and the Rude as far as points go but when you get up near Poss and stuff they got so much points from last year that they're going to be really really hard to catch and with Daniil Medvedev getting hurt it looks like you know his points will start going down that could open up another spot Rafael and the Dolls points are going down. That could open up another spot. So it'll be interesting to see how these rankings play out. But I'll keep you updated as we move on and as more people win tournaments and all that jazz.
On to our other tournament of the week, which is the Serbia Open in Belgrade. This is a big deal because this is pretty much the tournament that Novak Djokovic built. And last time I talked to you, I talked about the great match that Djokovic and Giri had, the two Serbians going at it in the first round. Djokovic barely survives that one. He wins in three sets in the quarters. He wins in three sets in the semis, and then he loses in three sets in the final. Djokovic has a great return. I think this is what he needed. He just needed to get back on the map and really get back into play. And that's what he did here in Serbia, and I think that was his goal. And getting through that first-round match against Jerry, that was so long and it was so taxing. I think that it is exactly what he needed, and he's going to be a dangerous man again. It's almost like you poke the bear, you give him a little taste of what it's like, and all of a sudden, he's going to be right back at it. And so he has a great tournament here. He ends up running into Andre Rublev in the finals and loses in three sets. Andre Rublev has a great tournament. It's not a stacked tournament. He played Fognini at one point and, you know, beat him, but like beat him in straight sets actually. And then he plays Djokovic in the finals. So Djokovic actually had a harder bracket, even being the one seed. He had to play Hachinov. He barely gets by Jiri. Kachmanovic, he had to play, wins in three sets. So Djokovic was kind of taxing in this, but I think this is exactly what Novak Djokovic needed to get back in playing shape right before Grand Slams are just around the corner in a month or two. So I think Djokovic got exactly out of this tournament that he wanted. He made it far. He didn't lose in the first round. He won some matches, did exactly what he needed to do, and he's got to be happy with how he played at the Serbia Open. But that title goes to Andrei Rublev. I think this is great for him just before going to Roland Garros because he's going to have to do really well at Roland Garros because he doesn't get a play in Wimbledon this year. Obviously, that's a that's something we talked about in last week's episode. If you want to if you want to touch more on that or know more about it, you can go to last week's episode to find out more. But with this title, that is Andre Rublev's third title of 2022. Wow, I didn't realize he had three titles in 2022. Uh, Marcial, he won. Dubai, he won. And Belgrade, he won. Two hard courts and a clay. So looks like he's moving up and up. Uh, unfortunately, his season's going to get split in half with not being able to go to Wimbledon. But that's just the nature of the world we're in, unfortunately. And that is pretty much out of his control. He did comment on it since we're on the topic. He did comment on not being able to play in Wimbledon. And he pretty much said uh, he and other affected players had a call with the Wimbledon. Um, this was last week. Had a call with Wimbledon last week to discuss their decision that they offered to donate their prize money from Wimbledon to hum- humanitarian relief efforts. So it sounds like that didn't happen. He said a lot more on it. Uh, he's, I guess one of the reporters said he was clearly emotional and expressed that he feels under, he feels like he's under a lot of pressure. Um, and he said he apologized for not being able to fully, you know, express himself clearly as he would like to, uh, especially in English, but he said he spoke from the heart. So that whole thing is on Instagram or not Instagram. It's on Twitter. Uh, Anna Mitrich. She posted this whole uh, transcript of that interview. You can go read the whole thing there if you want to. But that's pretty much the nuts and bolts of what he said. And I'm sure he's obviously hurt by not being able to play in Wimbledon. It's such a prestigious place to be. It's such a big tournament. Everyone likes to be there. And specifically the Russians, which is, you know, Rublev and Daniil Medvedev play really well there. And this year, that doesn't look to be the case. Speaking of Wimbledon, it looks like Novak Djokovic will be able to play in Wimbledon this year. As you 
no, he wasn't cleared to play in Roland Garros or Wimbledon or the U.S. Open, really, right when all the vaccine stuff happened with him in the Australian Open earlier this year. However, he got an exemption into Roland Garros, and now vaccines will not be mandatory for players playing in Wimbledon. So Novak Djokovic will be defending his Wimbledon title as he goes to play on the grass at the All England Club when it comes around in June. So good news for Novak Djokovic, probably some decent news for tennis to get him back on the court and back in Grand Slams. But I'm going to be very interested to see how he plays coming out of, I don't want to say quarantine, but he hasn't played in a long time. We talked about it this week, you know, getting back in the Serbia Open. But other than that, he hasn't really been very active on the tour. And so it'll be interesting to see how he does moving forward. But that's just some news about Wimbledon. It looks like Roger Federer will not be playing in Wimbledon. However, Roger Federer came out and pretty much said he's going to be playing in a Swiss indoor event in October. So that seems to be the aim as of now. Um, he's officially entered the tournament, will appear on the entry list with the projected ATP ranking of number nine. That's interesting. Um, and then his agent confirmed that he will be playing in that, and that will be his first match uh, is scheduled for October 25th, according to that website. So it's been more than a year since he's played on the tour, so that'll be interesting. Um, and who knows if he'll play before this, but this is just the first tournament that's kind of come up for him playing in. So very, very interesting that he's going to be back on court. I think personally, and I don't want to get too far into it, but I think he's going to play this tournament, try to play next year and end at Wimbledon. I think that's what's going to happen or end at the Labor Cup or something like that. That's what I think is going to happen because he's just too injury prone. But who knows? He's Roger Federer. He can literally do anything. He'll probably come back and damn near win a Grand Slam. <laughs> like That's just what Roger Federer does. Roger Federer does what Roger Federer does. So it, it'll be interesting to see, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing Roger Federer back on the court, whether it be grass, clay, or hard court, which here I believe it is hard court. All right, wrapping up this show, let's talk about just a few more things before I let you go. Not much more to talk about. I want to talk about an incredible milestone for Rafael Nadal. On April 25th, this month, in 2005, he entered the top 10. He's never left since. He's been in it for 17 straight years in the top 10. What an incredible accomplishment that for someone who doesn't need any more great accomplishments. But Rafael Nadal, it's pretty hard to wrap your head around. He's been in the top 10 for that long, but he most definitely has. Someone else in the top 10 that is hopefully returning from injury, just like Rafael Nadal, is Dominic Team. Team has videos out there of him practicing. He looks good, to be honest. He looks really good. Um, and he said in an interview, my expectations are still very low, but it's been some very good days of practice. That's the way and everything is getting back on track. And he said, I'm pain free, which is really good news for Dominic team and really good news for the tour. Cause I think it's going to be good for him to get back on the tour and back involved. So there's a lot of players trying to come back from injury. You look at Federer, you look at Nadal, you look at, you know, Dominic team. There's other Daniel Medvedev's coming back from injury. Matteo Berrettini's coming back from injury. We're gearing up for a really good middle and second half of 2022 if a lot of these players make it back onto the tour and make it back to where they can play, which I think with what Rafael Nadal did last year and the Australian Open through last year into this year with the Australian Open, I believe players think it's possible, and I can't wait to watch it. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. As always, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. That's it for now. Peace out.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.